amazing. So I'm going to jet through a bunch of scriptures. You don't need to go to them. They'll be up on the screen because we're going to move pretty quickly. And so we're going to start in Acts chapter 2. 1 to 4. And we're going to be looking, and I did a, a search, and every time there was a mention of the filling of the Holy Spirit and what happens. So, first one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly they came from heaven, a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house they were sitting. And it divided tongues of fire, appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they began, and sorry, and filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance to them. Verse 14. But Peter, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, standing with the eleven, sorry, yep, lifted his voice and addressed the crowd and the fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully. To what I say. So the move of the Spirit happens. 3,000 people are saved in that moment. And so we carry on into chapter 4. What's happened is uh, we've seen, as Kara talked about, a healing. Peter and John have healed a lame man and he has come to life. And this has caused all sorts of problems for the spiritual council, the Jewish, the Sadducees, um, all the Pharisees, that this Jesus is now healing from the dead. And they are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus, in the name of Jesus, healed this person. And so Peter and John are standing before a council in verse 5. Then the next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the laws met in Jerusalem. And Ananias, the high priest, was there. So as Cephas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. And they said to Peter and John before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to the account today of an account of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, and that this man stands before you healed. We carry on in the story, Acts chapter they come back to the group after being punished by the council and told not to uh, speak of this anymore. They came out rejoicing and they came back to their group of people to tell them what happened. And when they came together, they did this in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Final story in scripture in Acts chapter 13. Saul has become Paul, has been converted, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in 13, this is the first commissioning of Paul and Barnabas to go out to all of the Gentiles in all of the world. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in their travels, they arrive in Papyrus, uh, where they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul of Sergius Paulus. Now, just a quick context of what a proconsul is. To rule and reign in your culture, you needed to have people to govern. You couldn't have armies everywhere, and so they had councils that would govern each of the realms in the way of Rome. But 
this Sergius Polus was different. He was spiritual and he wanted to invite people to hear. And so this bar Jesus, this false prophet, was part of this company and had been speaking to this guy. But he had heard of this Barnabas and Saul that had come into the area. And he wanted to hear for himself all about this. So uh, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, this is by Jesus' same name, the sorcerer, for that is his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and the enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even to be able to see the light of the sun. Immediately a mist and darkness came over him and groped about, seeking someone to lead him by hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. In those four Moments that we saw every time the Spirit filled the disciples or people, they were filled with a voice of boldness. Did you see that? Every time there was a filling, there was in turn a speaking out, a speaking that came. And it brought life. It brought correction. We saw salvations. We saw speaking to the powers of the day, into the religious orders of the day, and it became transformative. All of these instances were outside of the church. Amen? All of these moments were not when it was a Sunday gathering. These were in contention in the world and in the space. And so I want to talk about today a voice empowered. I want to talk about a voice empowered. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this word together. Lord, I just pray that you would give me the words that you want to share today. God, that you would uh, just open our ears, our hearts, and our minds, Holy Spirit, to what you want to say to us, that you would speak to the depths of our hearts and souls, that, Lord, that you would awaken what needs to be awakened, that you would correct what needs to be corrected. And, God, we just submit to your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So last week, about a week ago, I was driving through Chick-fil-A because that is God's chosen food, an amazing service. Um, I love their chocolate milkshake. It is so good. Um, I know that Steak and Shake's really good for milkshakes. So is Burgatory, another great milkshake place. And obviously in Pittsburgh, there is a great milkshake place as well. So I love the chocolate milkshake. I'm getting the kids' foods as well. And we come up to uh, the pull-in to get the food. And there's this guy, and I cannot remember his uh, name. But he threw me a question as he uh, was giving us our food. And he said, if you could be a superhero, which superhero could you be? And I was like, oh my gosh, thrown in a loop in that moment. I was like, because uh, people were behind me. I was like, Superman, I'll be Superman, because it'd be cool to have all the powers in the world, right? Superman is the best superhero. Can we agree? No. Oh, man. We'll have a discussion afterwards. If you can fly at speeds, you can go back in time, laser power, strength, and you're just an awesome dude. Um, I think Superman's the best superhero, but obviously that is in contention right there. But with that great power, I often thought about this. Why did God choose? If we could have all the gifts in the world, right? Why would he choose to give us a voice? 
Like, if I was God, I would want to make Christians, when they become uh, saved, you know, suddenly they have some awesome power. Like, they're able to fly or be super quick or something cool as an action to show that Christ is within you. To me, that kind of makes, like, cool sense. Like, I would love that, be able to fly over there, goes that Christian again. You know, wouldn't it be, like, awesome to be able to see a zoom past each other again? There'll be a difference in what we would see in who we are. This is just how my mind works. But God gave a voice. He gave a voice. And I I think actually a voice is the most powerful weapon. If you see in the movies of Superman, because again, I believe that he is the greatest, um, Superman was never able to change a world through just his actions alone. But a voice changes everything. A voice has the power to change the world. We have the greatest power, and it is an empowered voice. God spoke into creation, the existence that we see. Jesus spoke healing over people. We know that life and death is in the tongue. And all of us in the room, I don't need to convince you that your speech and your talk transforms who you're going to be and your situations around you. I don't need to spend time on that. I know that you know that. We know that the true power is in the Word. So what is the difference that happens with these guys that speak in this moment in comparison to all the other voices? Because there are so many voices in this world. We've got the voices of authority, um, of governmental authority, um, uh, judicial, you know, structural um, judgment voices, all different voices in this world. Yet this voice, which was given to a few in a room, began to explode to millions, if not billions, of people around this world. So what is different about these voices as to the voices that we believe that are empowered? We can see that the media seems to have a voice that's empowered. Yeah, and we can, we can certainly laugh at that. And it feels like an empowerment. But why is this voice so different? So I want to jump in in a story here in Luke chapter 10. So turn with me to Luke chapter 10 today. This quick story, and this is going to be a quick message today. Luke 10. Jesus is sending out the 72. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses from this, and we're going to look at this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So these are 72 others other than the 12 disciples and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. That's Jesus is about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. We carry on over to verse 17. The 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over 
all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. I want to talk about authority by assignment. Authority by assignment. This is what I believe the difference is, is to the voices of the world that we think are empowered, to versus the empowerment that God has given us. Authority by assignment. It's interesting in this passage, these are not perfect people. These are not people who are the apostles, the 12, the holy, you know, chosen people. These are just 72 people who have no name. They're not even named. They're just 72 people. Jesus even refers to them as lambs. People who are are babes, who are small in the faith, who are young in the faith. So you're a young in the faith, unnamed person. And Jesus says, go out and declare that I am coming. That's all he said. That was the assignment that was given to these 72 unnamed new followers of Jesus. Given with that assignment to go out into the towns that were coming. But notice what happens when they come back. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Did Jesus commission them in any way to go on a demon hunt? No. All he said was to declare the name of Jesus. This is what I'm meaning today. Authority by assignment. The assignment was to go tell Jesus is coming. And in that, the authority came for the voices to shove out demons. I think so often as Christians, we try and flip this. We try and get the authority to have the assignment. We try to be people who try and have everything together, stir ourselves up and say, I've got the authority now, or try and get to that place, and then you can go on the assignment. When Jesus says, I've given you the assignment, you babe, you unnamed person, go and you will see what my authority that comes with my assignment does. Stop trying to flip it around the other way to try and gain the authority for the assignment, but have the assignment for the authority. I love that about Jesus. That he, they just simply went to proclaim Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That phrase, they didn't go looking for anything else other than to declare the kingdom of God. They didn't come with an agenda. They just came with a principle of Jesus is Lord. Jesus is coming. And the demons broke. Weren't looking for demons to break, but they were so confounded that Jesus, we were just on this assignment of coming to proclaim you in this situation. We were just coming to declare you. We weren't looking to fight anybody. We were coming to just declare your name, Jesus is Lord. And in that moment, authorities broke because they were true to their assignments. We're so worried about the authority of our voice, but you're not good enough, can I tell you today? A little hard truth. There is nothing about you that is good enough to carry the authority with God. But God, through his grace, through the perfect gift inside of you, knows that you are not good enough, but elevates you and says that you are good enough. 
You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it together. But you need to be someone that wants to surrender into his alignment and plan and purpose for you. That's the hope of the world, can I tell you today. The hope of the world is that we say Jesus is coming. That's our assignment to this kingdom. Do not rejoice, Jesus said, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is in heaven. So often we get wrapped in about the spiritual battles that happen with the spirituality when God says that's all well and good, but salvation is the main goal. We might see that this political fight that we have, maybe we've got a diverse group. Some people are celebrating and some people are feeling hopeless or that this is not the way it's meant to be. And here is a pastor and once again divided in all of that, which is great because I've got the pandemic, I've got the, the racial stuff, and now we're just adding to political stuff. It's a wonderful time for me as a pastor. But in all of this, I want to tell you as a pastor that Jesus is Lord. Nothing else matters. Whether whoever gets put on the, the presidential election, Jesus is still Lord. And that even though we feel like we're in a spiritual battle right now, he says, do not rejoice that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that the names are written in heaven, that that is the main goal. Salvation is our kingdom coming. It's not about who's in office, who is not in office. It is about the salvation that we need to look for. We look at each of these stories in Acts. We see the stories. We see the imperfect Peter who denied Jesus three times, who ran away, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaimed Jesus is Lord, and 3,000 people came into the heavens. We saw in a moment where Peter and John are before the spiritual council of that time, filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke that Jesus was Lord. They didn't defend themselves. They just said, Jesus is Lord, and they had nothing on them. They came to another principality, this bar Jesus, this person who was claiming to be a spiritual truth. They simply said that you are not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And in that moment, he fell. They didn't look to curse him, but they said, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the key and the hope to our situation. So what is your assignment today? Joe, what is your assignment today? Kim, what is your assignment today? What is your assignment today? If I could ask you today in person, what is my assignment today? Would you be able to tell me? Would you say that I know that I am called into such a place or that I am assigned to be in this space? Do I know or has the world messaging confused and pulled and my, my, I feel like I'm pulled everywhere? It was funny, I was walking on the beach um, on some of the walks I got to do, um, just walking the line of this, this beautiful sandy beach, just walking along, enjoying the sun, enjoying just the ocean roll, hardly anyone around. But there was, not to make you jealous or any sorts, but as we were walking along, there was this bird, a seagull or something, just walking in front of me. And I am literally, for however long, for minutes, this bird was just walking from side to side to side, dotting around with a focus to try and catch food. And it kept darting here and darting there. But it did not care that I was right next to him. I don't think he even saw it until it did see me and it flew away. But it was so focused on what its assignment was. 
what it needed to get, that it did not look around at what the looming potential disaster could happen as I kick it one. Um, but as I'm walking along, but I was amazed at just it just darting, darting. So focused was it that it just spoke to me at the moment that Jesus just spoke to me and said, you know, that is what I want you to be. I want you to be on someone who's on assignment that is so focused on what I have called you to do that though you may feel like something looming is all around you, you are so on your assignment and the authority that I have given you that you won't look to the left or the right, but that you will see that Jesus is Lord, that my kingdom is coming, that salvation is our assignment. So what does the life of an assignment with an empowered voice actually look like? What does a life of assignment with an empowered voice look like? I love this. Now, I'm not into formulas, but Simon Ponsonby, this guy is from an Anglican theologian, more an amazing book on the Holy Spirit for you readers in the room. This guy has an amazing uh, book on the theological and practical truth of the Holy Spirit. And I love this uh, kind of equation, which I kind of tweaked just a little bit. But intimacy, time with the Father, plus surrendered or holiness, to live a life that is other to this world, plus faith, so stepping out of the boat, taking that risk, equals power. This is the life for power. That we are intimate with God, that we walk, that we have a desire to be in his presence. I want to be that person like Brother Lawrence, who while doing the dishes or answering emails, or changing a diaper, or whatever life throws at me, text message, news media, whatever, that I am aware of the presence of God. That I am surrendered to the way of Jesus, to follow Jesus, and that I would take faith. That is the formula of a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you want to have a powerful voice, if you want to know what your assignment is, that you can have the authority to speak into those situations, to me, this just sums it up so beautifully. That if I'm walking in the intimacy of the Father, if I'm knowing how much I'm loved, if I'm seeing people for how loved that they are, if I see everyone rightly, I see myself rightly. If I'm surrendered to the way of Jesus. I think, where do you find yourself in this? Sometimes I feel like I can get the intimacy and surrendered life, but that risk, that stepping out the boat, that can freak me out sometimes. Or maybe for you, it's like you're all risk, but you don't want to surrender to the way of Jesus. Or maybe you're someone that doesn't even want to be an intimate with God. And so I'd ask you today, where are you in that intimacy? There's so much chaos going on. There's so much noise going on. It was so nice to be away in the stillness, to really get God's voice and hear it, to say, God, what are you saying in this moment? Because if this year does not lead each of us to spiritual revival in our hearts as a church, then this year is a complete waste of time. If we do not change, God is doing something radical. None of us in this room have ever experienced anything, what has happened. Nor do we ever want to, if we're honest. But if it does not cause us to lean more into God, more into who he is, then this year is a complete waste of time. I want to see us next year. For those of you who are praying fervently into the situation right now, if by next year you've stopped, 
Don't be a situational prayer. Because this world is not going to change regardless of who gets in. We need to have the same fervence and prayer and passion to see this world change because it is not going to be over and done with. Regardless of what happens, we need to be a church that steps into this. If we believe our vision statement of transforming people who transform their worlds, if we believe that, then we need to step into that calling. We need to step into that assignment. I believe that with all of my heart. I want to see revival. I want to see revival in my heart. If our hearts break for more who gets into the office, more than the lost and broken of this world, something is wrong. If our heart breaks for more who gets in the office than the lost and broken of this world, something's wrong. We're a family with different assignments. We're a family of different assignments. I wonder if we saw Jesus' prayer list and we wondered, and I wondered how long it would be. So often I feel like I've got one prayer, one focus, and that this is the main thing that we need to pray for. When Jesus, if I saw his list for the world, where would my prayer even be on his list? My, what I want to see God do in and through this. I think with that long list, my assignment and my calling is unity. I believe that God has called me to unity. And so my prayer might look different to your prayer. It's not contradictory. It's just different. It's not less important. And that's what I think. A lot of times we're looking at other people's assignments, looking at what other people want to be doing. We're trying to gather people around one assignment. So I've noticed a lot of the prophets are saying, hey, we've got to pray into this and this alone. While I love the concept, I don't think everyone's called to the same prayer. I don't think everyone's called to the same things. My prayer is hope and unity. I don't disagree that there is a need for justice. I don't disagree that there is some sort of evil that is trying to manipulate and lie and twist the things of this world. But that's not my prayer. I don't say it's a wrong prayer, but it's not my prayer. And that's okay, because you have a prayer. Everyone, I've had conversations with friends who are like, I am praying for justice within this land. And I'm like, go ahead, pray that prayer. But that's not my prayer, and that's okay. And I think that's what Jesus almost is getting at. It's like where everything is and where we are in life, we need to make sure we are on assignment that Jesus has called us to that we need to be a church of unity that engages all prayers for the right and the left. It should read, you know, there is no Jew or Gentile, Democrat or Republican in church, shouldn't it? Like, we are mostly Republican in this church. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. We are mostly Republican. And maybe for you, you are seething right now at what is happening. But I feel like Jesus is calling us higher in this moment. He's calling us higher. Remember we talked about In the Gap, the series we did a couple of months back, and we looked at Matthew 5, to be salt and light in this season. What does it mean for us to be salt and light in this season? What does it mean for us to have unity, to go above our feelings and desires of the uncomfortability and sadness that we see in this moment? What does it mean to love another person well? Because even in the church, our prayers are almost causing disunity. 
our assignments are almost causing disunity. Which, how does that make sense? If a kingdom is divided, it will fall. There are people who are saying, look, this is the kingdom of God. This is what it's meant to look like. We're meant to be praying for this president. There's the other side saying, no, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It has to be this president. Would Jesus say, yes, exactly? Would he pick a side? I don't think he would pick either side. And in fact, that's my advocation as a Christian. And this is my political bent. I'm more A-type in the sense that I am down the middle. I am for God and God alone. Yes, I have conservative values, but I don't think one party has the answer. And maybe that offends you like crazy. And I'm glad it does, because we all need to be rubbed the wrong way. We need to be taken out of our echo chambers, out of our personal groups, and really search ourselves on what the scriptures would have us do. Now, I love that we've got all different assignments. No one is better than the other, and that we need to come into unity and cheer one another on. For you who are searching for justice, I pray, keep praying, keep stirring. For you who want unity in this land, keep stirring, keep praying. Pray that the assignment and authority that God has given you and you alone. Don't compare with one another. So what will your words be today? Everyone in this room, what are your words going to be in this season? What are you going to choose to say in this moment? Are you going to choose to bash the other side? Or are you going to choose to speak life, to speak love, to begin to know that God, regardless of who is on the presidential election, that hasn't been called yet, we know it hasn't been called yet, but whoever is in that that we would serve, that we would pray, that we would love, and that we would seek to understand the other side. We would seek to understand why they believe what they believe. See them as people. Isn't it funny that your political um, choice is more taboo to talk about than other things in this world? Like, if you ask someone who, what you voted for, everyone's super shy and do not talk about it. Why is that? We shouldn't attach a label to a person if they're voting whichever side. That's not the way that we want to be. And so what are we going to choose to speak? You have a power inside of you. Are you going to align and speak death, speak destruction, speak separation? Or are you going to seek the kingdom of God that is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female? It is all together in one. It is not slave or free, that we are all one in this moment. And so we're just going to spend just the rest five minutes in this moment just to pray. And I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. We're in a room together. Though we may have a different prayer today, though your prayer may look different to someone else's, God has a prayer list endless of things that he needs done. That America is not the answer to the world. It is a answer, but it is not the answer. There is a whole world going on right now where people are dying for the faith, where people are being killed for confessing Jesus Lord, for the disasters that are happening outside, and we need to get a bigger world perspective. And that's my challenge. Why did God bring an Englishman to Washington? It's a good question. Why? But maybe because 
I'm from outside, that maybe this community, we need to just, I need to learn things. And we all need to learn things, like chinwag. <laughs> we need to learn to see the differences and how people see things in this world. Maybe that's why I'm here. I don't know. But I'm on assignment. And God has given me authority within my assignment and sphere to do what he has called me to do. And that's that simple. So let's pray. Let's pray right now. We're just going to spend five minutes just contending for that in your space. You have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the fullness of God inside of you. That your words are empowered. Let's pray.